diversity requires training. It's not something that you're born with. Uh, no one is going to have the all these uh, the wisdom and knowledge and experience without going through them and being trained through them and then experiencing them day to day out in the society. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today, again, I'm joined by Mark Lee, who has served in ministry for 25 years. He's a senior pastor of Central Steel Creek Presbyterian Church and he is a graduate of West Ministry Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, PA. We've been talking about the growth of a church. We discussed that. If you missed the episode, please go back, listen to the previous podcast. But we are discussing about diversity. Uh, we are reflecting how the ethnic diversity of surrounding community is challenging us. Welcome back, Mark. So happy that you're here with us. Thank you very much. Yeah. So last time, in the last, uh, we ended with a question. I asked you, what are the short-term and long-term implication of a church embracing diversity? Your answer was beautiful. You gave us some uh, uh, short-term problems that a church might face may face, and then you talked about long-term implications too. I want to focus on leadership. In this episode, I want to focus a little more on leadership. So my first question to you is, there's a saying that the speed of the group reflects the speed of the leader. That's true of other characteristics as well. The pastoral epistles are clear on the character of elder. Please highlight the expected characteristics of biblical leadership. Obviously, we can we can look at the scripture and understand the biblical leaderships that uh, that God expects of his of his shepherds, of his servant leaders. From the scripture, you have humility, selflessness, someone who has a shepherd's heart, uh, meaning someone who is willing to care and be sacrificial towards the the sheep that they are entrusted with. I don't know if this is something that you can say biblical per se, but many books that I've read and all the books on leadership that I've read. John Maxwell has many books. Daniel Goleman has written a book on it. There are so many books out there, but one of the key, I think, characteristic of leadership, especially in today's church, has to be willingness to collaborate. Mm. Uh, I grew up in a church setting. As I mentioned, I grew up in a, a Korean American church setting. I mean, the senior pastor uh, was the one in charge of everything. Uh, you can have like a 20 member session, but it's in the, at the end, it's what the senior pastor wants to do. It wasn't what the session wants to do. It's what the pastor wants to do. And so there were, I grew up understanding, wow, pastors have a lot of power. Uh, everything the pastor wants to do, the pastor gets done, but that's not the way church is or should a church should be. Uh, I, I believe there's got to be collaboration between not the pastor and the elders, but also the elders are are in the session representing the church members. They are not there to to pass their own personal agendas. They are there to represent the church members. And so we need to collaborate between the session and the pastor and the members to to really discern what God's vision is for the church. And so I think one of the key 
characteristic, along with all the other biblical characteristics that we can see clearly in the Bible, the, the leader must be willing to listen and to collaborate with others around that person. Excellent. Love it. So now tell us what are the tenets you perceive that a, a leader should have? What are the tenets of such leadership? In my research and dissertation, I'm using Paul as mm. an example. I think to look at Paul, while people may have strong feelings about Paul, you look at Paul's leadership, especially when he's writing to the Corinthians and Ephesian leaders, the church, the church leaders in Ephesus, he talks about how humility is a huge part. Humility got to be a, one of the main aspects and main tenets of a Christian leader. You are a servant to all people, not just the people that you like or the people that support you. In any ministry setting, began with Paul, but also in today's churches, you're not going to have everyone like you as the leader of the church, as the pastor of the church. But you are a servant of God to all the people, not mm. just the people that support you or people that you like. There's got to be a degree where you are maintaining your spiritual discipline. And Paul talks about that quite a bit in his letter to the Corinthians, the importance of spiritual discipline. And spiritual discipline doesn't come automatically. Dallas Willer wrote about the discipline, the importance of spiritual discipline in his book, where he talks about it's the daily grind, spiritual grind. And it's a daily submission to God, a daily reading of the word, daily prayer, but also acknowledging that I'm not going to be able to achieve anything on my own. I really need to be open to the to the discernment of the Holy Spirit to guide me throughout the day. So that willingness and desire to submit myself to God on a daily basis, that spiritual discipline got to be an everyday thing. In Paul's letter to the leaders in Ephesus, he talks about how, how important it is for the leaders to live among the people. You can't live on the top of the hill in luxury while the rest of the people that you are ministering to are struggling. Mm-hmm. you got to live among the people and be part of the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about uh, how important it is to rely and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And he, again, emphasizes selflessness. As a leader, you need to be selfless, and it is never about personal gain. And so I look at the the leadership that we have in our country and around the world, and the leaders that we have, particularly in the government, they're the opposite of what Paul talks about. (laughs) It's about the people, but it's always about them. It's about people, but it's about their personal gain. So you can see the dichotomy of good leadership versus bad leadership. But are all church leaders, do they follow the model that Paul set? No. They don't. That's the problem in the church. One of the biggest Presbyterian churches in the world resides in South Korea. I think they have like a million members. Mm-hmm. And uh, several years ago, there was that huge controversy or scandal where the senior pastor used millions of dollars of church money for his family. I think it was for his son, his son's company. So greed, we're all human. And when we get to a certain position or they have certain power, Greed takes over in some way. And so it's important to understand why Paul emphasized the characteristics of leadership. And sometimes he he emphasized it over and over because it's so important because it can be easily forgotten and not followed by all of us. Let's connect this back to our ethnically diverse community conversation, the leadership piece with that. 
So yeah. when we think of church growth in ethnically diverse communities, Paul comes to mind. And you are talking about Paul right now. What can we learn from Paul in terms of growing church in ethnically diverse community? If we had a chance to go back and talk to Paul, I think Paul would be the first one to say, I'm not sure if, if I was as successful as I could be. Um, uh, and, and, and I don't know too many uh, pastors and churches who come out and say, hey, I've been a successful pastor. Because overall, churches have mostly declined. I mean, there are certain churches that have grown in the past 30 years. Think of the church like Rick Warren out in Saddleback. When you read his book, he talks about how he began with a handful of families when he started the church. And now it's one of the biggest churches in the country. But does that mean that they don't have any problems? They, I'm sure they have their set of problems. And if you read about what's going on with Southern Baptist Convention, Rick Warren's church was recently kicked out by Southern Baptist, the largest church in the Southern Baptist Conference. And they kicked him out because he wants to elevate female leadership within his church. So that's a topic for another discussion. I think looking at Paul, the things that we can learn from him is he just did not give up. He continued to seek after God's will to do the ministry. And when people opposed him, I'm sure from a human perspective and personal, when he was being attacked and when people were opposing him, I'm sure it hurt him and it caused a lot of pain. He asked God for strength to continue to move forward. It's that perseverance to remain in ministry for the sake of God's glory. And Paul talks about that over and over in his letters. And he encourages the leaders of the churches that he writes to, to be the same, to persevere, to continue to persevere. Because I think just like in my own personal ministry and perhaps in, uh, most likely in your ministry and any ministry for all pastors, we are going to go through failure. We are going to go through where people oppose us. We're going to go through where even when we are attracting new members, when things seem to be going well, there's always going to be something that happens where I, as a human being, I'm going to be hurt by it and I'm going to experience pain. And so that ability and desire and willingness to depend on God and ask God for strength and for discernment, and to persevere through all those difficulties, that to me is just one of the most important characteristics, in a, especially as we seek to grow a church in a very diverse community, to persevere through all of that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, with the popularity and usage of the internet, we have a lot of knowledge about, but not necessarily a lot of experience with other cultures. Right. What can we do to expand our experiences and understanding? First of all, you just have to have a willing, open heart and open mind to want to learn. Hmm. If you don't have that openness and willingness, then you're not going to get very far, even though you are presented with a new understanding and new knowledge and wisdom. You've got to have that desire and openness. And that's probably the biggest obstacle to traditional churches becoming more diverse. People are just not open to it. Uh, and so that's one. And I think the second thing is you, you have to put yourself out there. We began an arts program in our church because we want to reach the community through the arts to try to get them to be on our campus so that we can promote our church. And uh, we began this right before the pandemic. And during the pandemic, it was quite difficult. And a lot of church members are skeptical while we're putting our resource into this program because 
for the first several years, we need to use church funds because the funds that's coming in is not going to cover everything. We began with two, three students. Now, four years, almost five years into this program, we have 50, 60 students in our arts program, and they're all from the community. And actually, we've had some people join our church through the arts ministry because we offer lessons in different instruments and singing and music and all these things, even a craft and different things at a lower cost than a normal place where they may charge a higher rate per 30 minutes of lesson. So I've been pleasantly surprised by the growth of this program as well. But through that, because we are trying to use the ministry and the funds to reach the community, I think we're seeing some good results from that as well. We have to be willing to reach the community and go into the community. But again, it begins with your willingness, openness that we need to change. We need to embrace diversity. Good point. Having a three-year worldwide uh, pandemic has not helped matters. Some people have gotten content with church on the couch. Online church and social media create an artificial sense of community. So all yeah. those things are true. I'm not against social media presence. I'm right. not against online church. But sure. how can we encourage people to come back to church and uh, fellowship in person and uh, come alongside one another? If you had the answer, please let me know, because <laughs> I would love to know uh, so that we can implement them here at our church as well. When the pandemic began, our presbytery here in Charlotte sent out an email to all the churches and pastors. And the email uh, included a link to someone who studied trends in the church attendance and things like that. Uh, so he, he's an expert in that field. But he predicted that when this pandemic is over, churches would be fortunate to have a third of the people come back. A third. He thought that it'd be less than that, people coming back to the church. Now, at that time, we all thought, that's crazy. Once this thing blows over, then we'll get everybody back. But the pandemic's been over. It's been over for a while. COVID's with us forever now. But the, the pandemic's been over. He wasn't that far off. As I look at the churches here in Charlotte, as I talk to my friends throughout the country about their churches, he wasn't that far off. And in regards to our church, I'd say we are still struggling to get back to get to 50% of our attendance pre-COVID compared to post-COVID in person. I mean, we still have people worshiping with us online. Uh, some of them are shut in, but some of them are used to just rolling out of their bed in their pajamas, turning on their TVs or computers, and just doing it through, through their Zoom worship, which we offer in many different platforms. Our website, Facebook, YouTube page, we do have it, but we've been now intentionally trying to really engage our members in joining us in person. And we've been doing that through constant reminders. We've been doing it through word of mouth. And we've also been doing it in a way where we present certain, we have much more elaborate musical program in our church. Now, as much as we try to get that communicated through Zoom, it's just not possible. There's a huge difference between live music versus Zoom music. And so we let the people know, hey, we hope you can join us and we have special music coming up. We promote it and say, join us in person. So we've had some people come by because they want to hear live music in different ways. And so we can continue to promote our in-person worship 
our music ministry as much as we can and encourage people to come. I've gone out and made visitations with people who are shut in, people that we have not seen here for the past three years in person since COVID started. So I go out and meet with them and do things and, and try our best, but it's in God's hands. But at the same time, we will continue to promote the in-person worship as much as we can. But I tell you, with the advancement of technology, while technology is great, it hasn't helped the in-person worship because people are used to being home now. Yeah. Uh, what are you talking about, Tony Morgan, with the Unstuck group? Was that the guy you're talking about? I think that might be it. I yeah. think that might be it. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. It's good. Yeah, we had him on the show and uh, he, he talked about that too. Uh, I think it was last year at some point we had him on the show. Tremendous amount of knowledge. And I think he's one of those guys who are presenting a active live data and research mm -hmm. because he's constantly involved and constantly talking to all sorts right. of churches. And I think that's where the collaboration comes in. Earlier, you talk about collaborating with others. I think that is uh, one of those things. You got to read people who are in the field. You got to yeah. talk to them, find out what they are learning in when they are listening to other pastors right. and try to figure out. I think collaboration is the way out of this whole issue. Um, right at least we can make some progress if we collaborate with, with each other. I love the idea I, you just talked about, art program in the community. I think that's brilliant. None of uh, my guests so far have spoken about that kind of program. And I think that's what collaboration and listening to each other and learning from each other is all about. And even uh, as you were talking, I took a note. I said, you know, that's something we need in our church. Uh, we have a facility and we have a community uh, that will appreciate that kind of program. So I think uh, we can learn from each other and uh, as long we are willing to collaborate and uh, open our hands and not yeah. hold our uh, fist so that uh, it becomes a humbling experience uh, rather than a fighting position. What steps do you think are needed to identify and implement changes needed to reverse the decline in church attendance? Wow, that's something I think about probably every day. But um, I don't think I have all the answers to that either. I know why church is declining. And I'm also reading books and listening to people that are way more smarter than I am about why the church is declining. So we know why they're declining. Uh, for example, I include this in my dissertation, but uh, Schaefer Institute Research, they did a, a study on church decline. You know, they talk about why the church is declining and why there is decline in the attendance of the church. And they talk about how we've allowed politics to be an issue, a major issue in the church. And, and that has caused the church to decline. Because when you bring politics into church, you're going to you know, make some people happy, but you're going to make a lot of people unhappy. Church really taking on that political arena has become a problem, I think. Well, you know, how can we help to stop the decline? This might sound like a simple, generic, biblical answer, but I think we need to make God the, the most important priority, and not just in, in our lives, but in the life of the church. Mm -hmm. I, I, as I look at the church, a lot of churches where you go to, you never hear the word Jesus Christ, or you don't hear the word God. You don't even hear the preachers kind of encouraging and also admonishing people about 
our sinful ways. But rather, you hear a lot of things that deal with uh, culture or things that deal with uh, uh, what's happening from a social perspective. And so uh, I, I think the churches have gone away from uh, Scripture, from preaching God, preaching Jesus Christ, preaching the good news, mm-hmm. to just talking a lot about social issues and cultural things, which I believe are important, but they can be talked about as the secondary to the most important, which is the good news. Uh, The gospel needs to be preached. Mm -hmm. And I remember going through seminary, one of our professors in the practical theology department, which is basically the preaching department, the late Tim Keller. Tim Keller passed away some time ago, but Keller, Tim Keller uh, used to teach at Westminster, so we would read a lot of his books and, and listen to his lectures, but he, he talked about how churches are going away from preaching the gospel, and now we're just kind of sharing the uh, social and cultural issues, and that is a problem, and I think we need to bring the gospel preaching back into the church uh, and do it in a way where people are not falling asleep, obviously, in the pews, but we need to present the gospel message to the people and present Jesus Christ. And I think you're going to see God doing his work through the presentation of the gospel. Amen. Amen to that. What step do you think uh, are needed to identify and implement changes needed to reverse the decline in church attendance is a question that I think every pastor should ask. And uh, probably a question that denominations and people who sit uh, as on those denominations as a leadership board and leadership committees, they should ask. And then probably it's a good idea to come together. In the old days, in the early Christianity, there were those uh, councils, you know, Trent, Council of Trent and Nicene. These people need to yeah. come together uh, around this idea that you're talking about, a cliche may it be, but the gospel, uh, Jesus being the central point, and answer this question for the sake of the glory of Christ on earth, but also to draw people near to Jesus and uh, look into those. Yes, gospel supposed to be a stumbling block, but we should not be the one uh, who mm-hmm. caused that stumbling block. For us, if the human are doing, then Jesus is very clear what would be the treatment to such pe- of such people. So I think uh, this question is something that not one pastor, every pastor should ask, but also it's something that larger bodies of leadership needs to come and collaborate and learn. Um, as you said, that there is uh, it's not just one church is struggling with the declining in membership attendance. Uh, deal with youth and the young adult, how to keep them, how to help them to see Jesus and grow in Jesus, right. and or and 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 also um, put those hedges around the congregation so political influence doesn't come in to destroy and steal the flock uh, or yeah. their joy. Um, so as we move toward concluding uh, this episode, our final episode with you, uh, second episode, what are a few practical things that a church can do to start incorporating multicultural understanding and its strengths? First of all, before you do anything outside of the church, I think there needs to be some training inside the church. Mm. 
I think there's got to be a cultural training among the, particularly the leaders of the church, mm. uh, and hopefully the, the members of the church as well. One of the training that I've used with my participants in my dissertation, the cultural intelligence assessment training. And it's incredible to, to get the feedback from these participants of what they told me when they took the cultural intelligence assessment, how much they didn't understand diversity, how much they didn't understand uh, how they can be reaching with a different ethnic group and what the way they were raised. It's not their fault. They just weren't trained in these areas. And I think uh, diversity requires training. It's not something that you're born with. Uh, no one is going to have the all these uh, the wisdom and knowledge and experience without going through them and being trained through them and then experiencing them day to day out in the society as well. So I think the first practical step needs to take place in the church among the, the leadership and the members where they are trained about the cultural differences and, and, and the diversity of the people that they will meet out in the street. And then with that training, hopefully they can be able to go out into the community and whether it's at a local grocery store or at a restaurant or, or even at kids' ball games, you know, where you will meet a lot of people from different ethnic backgrounds, perhaps there's a way for them to identify with them where they can share the gospel and invite them to come and join us. Or maybe inviting them to, hey, come to our Sunday worship. If that seems too forward, tell them about our arts program that we have on our campus. Uh, I think that one of the reasons why we're getting a lot of students from the community is schools are cutting back in their arts program. A lot of schools are cutting back due to budget issues. They don't have the instruments or choirs or, or even arts classes in their, in their own schools for their kids. And they want their kids to be engaged in different types of arts uh, programs. And so we might be kind of filling that void in this community where they're able to send their kids and, and learn how to play the piano. I mean, piano is one of our most popular program in our arts program. I think we have like 25 students taking piano lessons on Tuesday evenings and Saturday afternoons here on, on our campus. Uh, we have like five different pianos that we're using. Pianos that were never used in the past are being used during those programs. And so invite them to, hey, does your kid take lessons in anything? So incorporate that in, in, your, in your discussions as you reach the people. So when you're trained, you feel a little more confident to be able to go and talk to people from a different race or a different background. And so they have some wisdom. Now they need to go out there and and experience it by going through trial and error. And they're not going to be always successful. So I let them know that. But it's, but being intentional about promoting the ministries at the church from a diversity perspective. I think the last one is when you see someone come into the our sanctuary on Sunday morning, if they're not white and if they're not older, they're going to stick out. <laughs> they're going to stick out. Embrace them. Welcome them. Make them feel like they are in the their home spiritually in our church. And I think our members are very good with that. All, all the visitors that come and new members that join, they talk about how hospitable our members are. And I think that's a great thing. But these are some of the practical things that I think uh, we can think. But it begins with training and understanding of the need for diversity and what diversity is all about. Amen.
Thank you, Mark. Anything else you'd like to add to this conversation? No, no. thank you for having me. And I look forward to, uh, to continuing to learn from you and, and your guts uh, in finishing my dissertation so that, uh, so that I, I can uh, continue to move forward and try to implement many things that I've learned through this research. That's great. Uh, I did not mention in this uh, episode, uh, I also work with the Liberty University and uh, I have the privilege of uh, being the chair of this dissertation. So that's what he's referring to. And uh, that I just saw something and I thought it's a very important topic. We should bring Mark to this show. If listener wants to get in touch with you, Mark, what are the easiest ways? For now, just my email, my, my email, which is uh, Mark, M-A-R-K, at cscpc.org, Central Steel Creek Presbyterian Church, cscpc.org. Uh, that will also be included in the episode description, your uh, email address. Uh, sure. And for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics, we're talking about decline, we're talking about diverse ethnic uh, environments where churches are struggling to see that. And some of these topics are heavy. I like to ask you to tell us a joke to lighten them up. That's how I'm. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not the best joke teller. But if if you would give me a minute or two, I'd love to share a story with you. That yeah. that uh, that it, this was this happened to me many years ago. I was in, I was a college student, but uh, I, I share with you. I grew up in a Korean American church, and uh, one of our college group uh, advisors. So he was like a he was an elder of the church. So he was. Uh, uh, he was given the responsibility of supporting the college group. Uh, brilliant man. Uh, and this has a cultural context to it. And he was kind of sharing with us an experience that he had when he first came to America. Uh, he is a uh, he's a physicist. And, and so uh, he was working at a company and he he was so focused on his uh, his Ph.D. and his work. Uh, he didn't really date anyone or have any kind of, you know, outside life. But. Uh, one of his coworkers, seeing that you know uh, that he wanted to meet someone, but he didn't know how. And uh, one of his coworkers told him that, "Hey, I, I know someone, and I like to set you up on a blind date." And so he hesitated to accept that, and he said, "I had to really struggle with that, and really think about it, and pray about it." But after a while, I finally said yes to it. And so he went to the restaurant where they're supposed to meet. And he noticed that the woman was already seated at the table. And as he was having conversations with her, uh, he tried to be very sensitive to, to her needs. And finally, when it was time to get up and, and, and walk out of the restaurant, uh, he reached over and, and grabbed her hand to guide her through the table. And, and she thought it was kind of too forward for him to just reach over and grab her hand. So she was taken aback about it. And she's like, what are you doing? And he told her, well, I thought you were blind. And so he didn't understand what blind, blind date meant. <laughs> uh, he thought the person was blind rather than it's a, you know, it's a culture. That's <laughs> got you, blind date. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so he finally learned what that means, a blind date. It's, the person's not blind, but they're just being set up without yeah. ever meeting before. So we were we were all cracking up and laughing in our in our college group Bible study when he shared that with us. But um, that kind of tells you that hey, when you're not from the culture, then you're yeah. gonna you're gonna see it completely different. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and so so uh, that that 
that story sticks with me all the time and it reminds me how important it is for us to understand the other person's culture because otherwise you're going to interpret it in a completely different way. That's true. That's actually funny. I like it. Very funny. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Mark Lee talking about growing and changing churches in diverse communities. And thank you to our all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learn something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at OurUrbanVoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in in two weeks for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 